Yo, we shouldn't have left you without a dope pod to step to. Your boy is back, Vince. It's your host, QQ Sports Exchange. It's back on the air. I had an illness over the weekend, and it led into Monday, which throws off B-Ball Monday. So we have a impromptu B-Ball Tuesday, which is weird. So today's show is going to be about some Brooklyn Nets. Uh, we're going to have some conversation on what they're doing. We have the Ricky Watch, which is always exciting. Um, and we have LaMelo Ball making his first start in the NBA. And we have one last little deal, and I'll save it to the end, and we'll kind of go from there. Um, it's in regards to Washington and what's going on there. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and start this get right into it the other night the Brooklyn Nets played against the Washington Wizards and it was interesting to say the least if you like a lot of points it was right up your alley if you were looking at the Brooklyn Nets and going that's a contending team for an NBA championship probably not the Brooklyn Nets since the Harden trade have been giving up a lot of points It is no secret, but when you give up 149 points in four quarters, no overtime whatsoever to the Washington Wizards, you have a problem, ladies and gentlemen. You have an issue that needs to be resolved quickly, and somebody needs to make some changes. That's since the Harden trade in offensive and defensive rating. So their offensive rating is 122.6, which is the best in the league, and it would be the best all time. Now, their defensive rating is 119.9, which is also the worst in the league, and it would be historically the worst of all time. It wouldn't even be close. The next team is like five fewer points. It's like 114.7. They are giving up points at such a historic rate that it's ridiculous. It's almost comical. If anybody saw some of that game, now I understand the rules have changed. I understand that we don't touch players and we don't hand check anymore in the NBA. I got that. But there has to be some sort of resistance to allowing people to get into the lane whenever they feel like. It's like, oh, I'm going to the lane. That's what I'm doing. I'm getting after it, right? Nah, this is crazy. To get to a contender's level, they must commit to each other on the defensive end. This is somebody I talked to who's been in the game and recently retired. Okay, so I'm going to say that again. To get to the contenders level, they must commit to each other on the defensive side. So film study will help. Being consistent with the defensive principles would help. But it looks like the want to is not there. 
And if they want to be a real contender, not a paper contender, but a real contender, they will have to challenge one another and hold each other accountable on the defensive side of the ball. Now, this is from a former player who has recently retired in the league. I'm going to go ahead and put my step on that. I mean, there just has to be some sort of saying, hey, it's real cool that we're scoring like 135 points, but let's hold the other team to like 120. You know, I'm not asking for like, just lock up everybody, but there has to be some sort of resistance, like I said. Now, Raja Bell, who does a podcast with Logan Murdoch on The Real Ones, which is a great podcast. If you not heard The Real Ones, I'm telling you right now, you will enjoy it. And I'm telling you, that's a podcast that I listen to um, and I get a lot of information. But he said that, I think it's personnel driven. Who is going to, he said something a little bit worse than what I'm going to say. He said, who, he said, who the hell is going to defend on that team? All right. Um, Kendrick Perkins said also on the same podcast, he said, uh, Jared Allen was a big loss. I don't think Brooklyn knew at the time how big a loss he was, but I'm telling you that he protected the rim. He gave them some presence in the middle and now opponents of the Brooklyn Nets are not scared to go to the lane because there's no opposition in the lane at all. That's a glowing indictment on DeAndre Jordan and whomever else plays the post, Jeff Green. Perkins went on to say, these are vets. They know how to get buckets, so they should know how to be able to stop on the defensive end. Coaches like Steve Nash should be calling them out. And maybe that the big three, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, Maybe I should send them a brochure to Savings Oasis so they can get their their uh, Zen and their and their defensive center chi together. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it's up to us as a fan base to say, please, Brooklyn, play some sort of defense so we can go ahead and crown you one of the contenders. In the East. The big thing also with this team is. Is that Kyrie and James Harden. Need to understand that Kevin Durant. Is the best basketball player on this team. And he's probably the best offensive weapon. We've seen since Michael Jordan. So I think they should play more through Kevin. Less through Harden. Less through Kyrie. Sorry. Sorry guys. Like you a lot, love the flair, love the ISO, but sometimes we need to uh, adjust and see what is going to make us fruitful and make, make us compete for a NBA championship. In other news, in Philadelphia, Doc Rivers, head coach, has seemed to unlock Tobias Harris this year. He's allowed Ben Simmons, in a sense, to be Ben Simmons because he's not had to take on some of the scoring threat that he usually would have to and not worrying about whether he's going to take four 
three-point shots a year or take a shot outside the paint or whatever it is. I do believe to where Philadelphia really wants to be, Ben Simmons will have to elevate his game at some point. But at least the pressure is off at this time. With Tobias being very aggressive, finding his offensive game, and knocking down perimeter shots, it's opened up the lane for Ben Simmons to kind of get his work in. So he's going to give you his 16, his 12, his 8, play lockdown defense. I don't know if you saw the game against the Lakers. He was everywhere. It was so impressive to watch. And maybe that's his calling card. Maybe he's not the generational talent that we thought he was. Maybe he's not the the next in line to be the next Magic Johnson or the next LeBron James or whatever that would look like. But maybe what he is is a really good defensive player who has a excellent uh, feel for the game, a tremendous IQ, and he can run your offense and play stout defense. And maybe that's just what he needs to be, and that's good enough to win. But it's good to see Tobias Harris starting to look like the... Okay, it's time for your NBA Rookie Watch. And this week, the top five aren't too different. And we'll speak about them a little bit. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is just incredible. He's just super consistent for Sacramento. Um, What you're looking at is somebody who's going to constantly, in the minutes that he's been given, he's going to get you anywhere between 11 to 15 points. He's always going to grab like three to five rebounds. He's always going to make the right pass. His assist to turnover ratio is still ridiculous. It's like 3.4 to 1, which is great. But he's just getting it done, and he just seamlessly fits the offense, okay? He's still not my rookie of the year, okay? We know who that is, but second on my list is Lamelo Ball, and we'll get to him in a little bit, okay? So we're not going to spend a lot of time on him right now. The other guy is Memphis forward Xavier Tillman. The big guy out of Michigan State is doing what he does, okay? The stats don't look fantastic, but if you talk to the people in Memphis, they're saying that he's been critical to helping them win. Yeah, he's averaging like 8.8 points a game, you know what I'm saying? He's getting like six rebounds, and he ha- he's having effective uh, condition on the defensive end as well. Now, Denny Abdia from Washington seems to have hit some sort of rookie wall. Um, He's been playing less minutes, but in the minutes that he's been playing, he's been effective. Um, It's not great. It's not fantastic stats to look at, but you're seeing basically something that maybe next year, as we start to go along, he's going to get better and better. I've been really impressed with him all year on a difficult situation when you had 
things swirling around Bradley Bill, and we'll get to that later. You had injuries to Russell Westbrook and Thomas Howard. So you had a lot of stuff going on on that team. And for him to be in the starting lineup pretty much every single game will tell you all you need to know on how that uh, coaching staff feels confidently in him. The next guy, he just got hurt too. James Wiseman has a sprained wrist. He looks like he'll be out for 7 to 10 days, maybe a little bit more. Um, You know, he's been doing his thing. Man, I mean, he's just been doing it. He's now coming off the bench, providing energy. It's kind of a way for him to uh, get into the flow of the game and not have to worry about too much of anything. So that's been great to see. Unfortunately, get well soon. Prayers up, James. Get that wrist healthy. Come back and dominate. So that's your rookie watch. Your rookie watch is brought to you by YouTube TV, right? Because your boy has it. He loves it. It's great. The pricing's great. You like sports, you get all of what you need. If you like movies, if you want HBO Max, if you want Showtime, if you want AMC early releases, if you like The Walking Dead like I do, and you want to get down like that, get you some YouTube TV. Don't pay these cable companies all this money, man. You know what I'm saying? Make sure your dollars stay in your pocket and you still get the TV that you want to see, right? So you go and you go to YouTube TV, check it out, and your boy Vince sent you. All right, we're going to get into talking about LaMelo Ball now. Now, LaMelo started the other night. Um, which is his first start. Actually, it was last night. You know, your boy was sick, so, you know, he's a little shaky on the detail, so I apologize about that. But before that, the game before that, he had 27 points, he had 5 rebounds, and 9 assists. And this is the game where, um, was it, it was Rogier who got hurt. So, I mean, here's a little mellow ball, right? Playing against the Bucks. Gets a team that definitely has championship aspirations. He's just real smooth and he's getting it done on a real level. And I was glad to see him get his first start. Now, we never want to see it when it comes off injury, right? So, prayers up to Terry Rozier. Hopefully, the injury is not really severe. There is one thing, though. LeVar Ball stuck his head out and said, I don't think... Michael Jordan ever came off the bench. Listen, LeVar, slow your roll, bro. I think this has been perfect, the way Charlotte has handled LaMelo. You know what I'm saying? I think they've done a terrific job in bringing him along. He's playing significant minutes. He's playing like 26 minutes a game, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. You know, when they need to rein him in, they have enough scoring power with uh, Malik Monk, Rozier, and Graham. Now, Rozier is hurt, but Malik Monk picking up the uh, slack. Scored 36 the other night, last night. You know what I'm saying? And LaMelo's first start. I thought it was great. He didn't have, like, the greatest game, but to me, that's what you have as a rookie, 
right? He had 14 points. He had five rebounds. He had seven assists. He shot the he his free throw shooting was six out of six, two out of four from three point land, and he had a two and a half to one ratio as far as assists to turnovers. You know what? If you're a rookie point guard in this league and you're doing that, you're doing it right. You're putting in work. So I'm excited about how Charlotte has used LaMelo. I also have seen them, when he's taken some crazy shots or passes, taking him out the game and let him sit for a second. And I still believe that Gordon Hayward coming over from Boston was a huge move in two reasons. One, it brought them to somebody who can get buckets, okay? And the other thing is that he can help LaMelo be a pro. And I've been harping on this all year. You don't pay somebody $30 million just to help somebody be a pro. You can get guys, you know, who are veteran guys or whatever and and do that same thing. But I think for LaMelo, it was important to see somebody who could score. Somebody who was really actually contributing to the team and was a vital piece to the team, you know, so he could see what it was about to be a pro, how to go about your business, how to practice, how to look at film. And I think that Gordon Hayward has provided that for not just Lomelo, but for all the young cats on the Charlotte Hornets. So kudos to the Hornets. It looks like you finally have turned the corner. We can stop making jokes about the Adam Morrison that you had back in the day. But it's good to see that organization take a step forward. And it's good to see that QP Sports Exchange Rookie of the Year candidate our pick LaMelo Ball is balling out you know what I'm saying like our picks look real real good yo go to the archive pots all right we have a basketball preview and in that basketball preview we did predict that LaMelo Ball would be the rookie of the year so we are we're standing by that statement for sure Charlotte fans, hit me up. Tell me what you like about your rookie. Tell me what you like about your free agent acquisition. You can hit me up on the greatest Twitter handle of all time, which is QPP Network on Twitter, Question Point Pod Network on IG and Facebook. And I can't wait to hear from you. So we're going to talk a little bit of Kentucky basketball right now. Big Blue Nation, this is a hard year for you. One, the COVID-19 situation that's kind of put a little stop and start to your uh, season. That's been tough. But the 5-10 and 10 record, this is kind of probably what Coach T would say. This is kind of like the forgotten year. It's the year that we don't talk about. Coach T says last year's North Carolina team is the year that we don't talk about, right? So for Kentucky fans, hey, man, this might be that year. Uh, One, here's the thing. Sometimes the one and dones, they just don't work 
They just don't click. And whatever the evaluation process is or was in this particular situation, it just didn't work. Brandon Boston has been a disappointment for sure. He's only hitting 9 out of 50 from three-point range. And Devin Askew is also a poultry 25.7% from three-point line, only taking 35 shots. So, and and sometimes it's just the chemistry. You know, these kids, they get together, you think, oh, well, you know, I got a bunch of six, seven dudes, long arms, athletic, just get the ball, just run. You know, and then we'll kind of, by the time game 20 rolls around, Coach Cal usually has these guys playing together. They have an identity. They have a go-to guy. They have a secondary guy. And they have a guy who controls the offense. This is usually the progression that Cal makes. Unfortunately, this year, with the starts and stops and the lack of practice time, and the COVID situation, it just seems like the chemistry is just not there this year. You know, it just happens. Now, here's my only question about this. Now, with these guys having just such an off year, would it be prudent for them to stay? But here's the thing. Coach Cal is a machine. Kyle Perry usually has five or six McDonald's All-Americans waiting in the in the wind. So if Brandon Boston stays and Askew stays and some of the other guys stay, does this mean that some of the five-star talent like Hunter Salis, does this mean that they get them? Because you might have a logjam. You know, these guys are coming in thinking they're going to play, right? You know, Cal is still going to get his guys. He's still going to get some of his guys because Kentucky just brings it. That's the one thing Kentucky Wildkick basketball fans, the one thing I can honestly say is that you guys get it. You guys bring it every year. You guys are passionate about your squad. And I know this year is not setting well with you. So just take heart in this. It just happens sometimes. You know, it just, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good, but this is one of those where you sit there and if they come together through this last stoppage and Cal can kind of dissect and see, okay, okay, I need this guy to score. This is my guy, you know, and hopefully through the practices, the practices that they can have, you know, this season can get better. You know, it's going to be a hard road for them to get to the tournament because at 5-10, and 10, you almost have to run the gauntlet with the rest of your games and then go into the SEC tournament and pretty much probably have to get to the semifinals or the finals to have a legitimate shot at a, you know, a 10 seed or 11 seed for Kentucky this year. Not saying that it can't be done, but that's the road that you're looking at. I don't see another loss helping their cause, you know, because I don't see the signature win that they've had as well. But Kentucky fans, again, just understand that, you know, we're in a COVID situation and sometimes the bugaboo hits you and you'll bounce back from this and next year will be a brighter day.
one last note before we get up out of here, and I saved it for last. We've been talking all year about Bradley Bill and his chances of going somewhere else, what the package would look like for him, and all of that. Now there are reports that are coming out that Bradley Bill is really sick and tired of the trade talk. He has stated emphatically, I don't know why people are having me out of Washington. I want to stay here. Help Bill to make Washington a winner. Which this is one of the things that we are going to celebrate here on QP Sports Exchange. Bradley is not running from the fire. My man is like saying, you know what? Hey, this is where I was drafted. They are making some changes for me. I guess there was an issue with him and John Wall. They did get him out. Now Russ is there. You never have to worry about Russ's commitment to the game. The problem with Russ sometimes is his commitment to the game and the brick walls that he runs through. With that being said, I really want to definitely give Bradley Bill a shout out. Just saying, hey man, it's a tough year for you, bro. Keep on doing your thing. Keep on putting up your 40. Keep on being leading the league and scoring, averaging like 35 points a game. And just keep being you. And I'm going to tell you right now, they will figure this out at some point. I think personally what needs to happen in Washington is – I like that Bradley Bill came out and said this. Hey, I'm not going anywhere. Like that. All right. Now, the second thing that needs to happen, if you have anybody that you're not sure on and but has potential, can you flip on for draft picks or can you flip on for other young players? You know, you want to make sure that you have the right fit around Bradley Bill as we go into this next iteration of the Washington Wizards. Okay. I like Denny Abdia. You know. If you hear the Ricky watch. I've been talking him up all year. Just want to see that development. Want to see that growth. See what that's all about. Rui Achamora Has to get better. Has to play better. Has to be more consistent. Now he's a second year guy too. And there's been a lot of upheaval. Around the team. So you know. That's a tough situation. But I think right now, if everything is going, in a sense, to plan, with them being lottery-bound, knowing darn well that on the horizon is sitting Kay Cunningham or Evan Mobley from USC, Kay Cunningham from Oklahoma State, first of all, and Evan Mobley from USC, I mean, you can start to see the foundation and the building blocks being there with either one of those two guys. So if Washington ends up with the first or second pick in the draft, they draft right, get one of these kids, I think they are on their way. And it's not like Bill is 30. If Bill was 30, if he was sitting there and I'm 30 and I played like 10 seasons in the league now, and I haven't sniffed the playoffs in so long, then then I could see, hey, you know, <laughs> I think we need to have this conversation about where I need to go and what you can get for me. But I think Bradley wants to have his own team. 
I think Bradley Bill wants to see this team built, and then let's see what how they compete, right? Because if you have another draft pick next year, yes, albeit another young kid, but still, the talent from next year, from what all the scouts say, like Cade and Evan Mobley have kind of distanced themselves from everybody else, but there's still quality. Three, four, five, six, you know, down in the draft. So there's like six quality dudes that, you know, a lot of people are saying, hey, I can build, I can build some stuff around this kid. You know, Jonathan Kaminga, uh, Mike Schmitz raves about him and his development and how he's progressed from last year to this year in the G League Ignite team. So you have that. So Washington just needs to kind of stay pat, ride this wave out, you know, unless Bill comes to them and say, hey, you know what? I've changed my mind and I want to be traded. But I I don't know if that's going to happen. I I really do not know if that's going to happen. Um, I think that he is a loyal guy and he might like it where he is. And yeah, he's frustrated about losing, but I think. If you have a good relationship with your GM and you have a good relationship with the front office and they're telling you, like, listen, we made some mistakes, right? And we're trying to fix those mistakes in the confines of the salary cap, in the confines of, you know, what we need to do as far as drafting. If he has that good relationship and he has been told certain things, what's the harm of another year? We could revisit this next year and be in the same exact situation. I think we were just hot to get Bradley Bill out of Washington because we wanted to see what his talent looks like on an actual contender and how that would manifest itself in the West or the East, depending on who he would go to. But there should be something said to a man saying, hey, you know what? I want to stay. I know I could pick up and leave. I know I have the right to do so. I know I have the right to ask for a trade because I've given, you know, six years to this franchise and nothing's really come of it. But for him to stick around or want to stick around and see this through and see them to the other end, that's not just highly commendable. Of all of your, all the things that we see in the NBA when we see people change teams and want out and what happened in Houston and the Harden deal and, and, and things of that nature, it is so refreshing to see a young guy, a very good basketball player and such a great citizen of the NBA, Bradley Bill, stick to his guns and say, hey, I know it's bad, but I want to stay. We see a pocket of this in the league, right? You got Damian Lillard out in Portland. He's had chances. You know, I'm sure he's super frustrated in Portland. He's just hitting the top of that glass ceiling and just not being able to break through. You know, we've seen this a couple times. But I think we're so programmed to say, oh, well, Harden is gone. The next guy up is Bradley Bill. His team is not doing so well. He's an all-star, and he's going to want out. Well, Like Bradley Bill said, he doesn't know where all this is coming from. Quote, and he said, hey, 
I didn't ask for a trade, and frankly, I want to be here so y'all can put all that to rest. Good for that young man. Good for the Washington Wizards. And you have one building block to start from, and hopefully you will hit big-time money in the next draft because there's some dudes coming out next year that are super sick. get into now is we're going to get into some prospects for the NBA draft coming up later on this year and the one of the first guys that I want to kind of spotlight a little bit because of the fact that I saw a super nasty dunk by him the other day and it just proved to me I was like yo this kid is going to be special uh, Jalen Johnson of Duke, he's a, a 6'8 or 6'9 power forward freshman. This kid is 6'9, 220 pounds. He has playmaking ability. He's able to grab the ball off the glass and then take it down and then initiate the offense. You know, the other thing is that he's he's making money on the defensive side of the ball. So, he only plays like 22 minutes a game. He's averaging one and a half blocks and 1.2 steals a game. So, his defensive potential in the NBA looks massive. All right. And he's another guy that's 6'9", 220, and has handle where he's okay in open space. Okay. This kid looks good. Right now, they have him as the number six prospect overall, okay? That looks real good. You know, I don't know if he'll be able to crack that top five, okay? Because you got a couple of G League Ignite guys. Plus, you got my boy Jalen Suggs from Gonzaga. You know what I'm saying? Kay Cunningham and Evan Mobley from USC and Kay Cunningham from, Kay Cunningham from Oklahoma State. One of the other guys that I want to talk about is he's kind of a, a polarizing figure. Sharik Cooper, who I don't know if you guys have caught this cat, but you guys need to catch this cat. This dude is doing work at Auburn. Okay. Right now they have him listed as the number eight overall prospect in the draft. And what people are saying is, is that about him is that his assist is um, 53.4 assist percentage, which is pretty dang good. It's actually one of the best ever. Um, he's shooting about 81% of his free throws, and he's averaging 21.3 points a game. Here's the thing. Nobody can stay in front of this kid. One, Shuri Cooper. Um, he's He got crazy dribbling ability, okay? And he's super, he has different speeds, so he can speed you up, slow you down, get by you, do the blow by, out dribble you. So, he's got all the tools. The only thing about him is, is that he's small. You know, he's 6'1". This was a real concern 
in the NBA 10 years ago, not not much of a concern now because it's not as physical as it used to be. But, you know, people wonder, you know, will he be able to get his shot off against, you know, longer defenders in the NBA? And I'm saying, listen, just go check out an Auburn game because he's getting to the bucket whenever he wants. And I don't see anybody, you know, just locking that kid up. You know, you might get the rare occasion that he gets locked up in the NBA. But it's not going to be all the time. Because he has excellent change of gear speed. And sometimes that's what you need. And he he plays at his tempo. So he doesn't allow the defense to dictate to him what his speed is. He dictates what his speed is and let's see if there's another guy that will oh the other guy that I want to hit on and last but not least if you guys have not caught a Florida State game Scotty Barnes is so awesome and the reason why I want to give him love is because here's another guy 6'9 227 pounds right now he's averaging 10.3 a game in 23, 23.8 minutes, which is okay. But the thing about it is, is that he does everything. He passes well. He defends well. He is, uh, you know, he can get his own shot. Um, He is kind of the Tyrese Halliburton of this draft. Okay? But bigger. What I mean by that is that a lot of people, and I don't want to throw this comparison out because I think it's a hard comp, okay? Because, I, you know, I think he's going to be better than this. Um, people have had likened him to Draymond Green, but the difference is, is that this kid is 6'9", okay? Like, legit. So he's four inches taller than Draymond, all right? But he has that tenacity like Draymond, okay? that I think that's where they see... The similarity between him and Draymond Green. Now, this dude gets up in your kitchen on defense. Like, he loves playing defense. Like, that's rare that you see a young person who comes into the college game and says, Yo, uh, coach, I'm going to make my um, mark on the defensive end, and then whatever you run for me on the offensive end is okay. Usually, it's the other way around, right? Usually, it's, I'm going to get my buckets I will sacrifice some defense because I need to keep my hand loose and warm to shoot these threes and get these buckets. No, not not for my man. Not, not for my man, Scotty Barnes. My man is trying to get at you on the defensive end. He competes like a mother. All right. And then he's able to bring the ball up the court. Initiate offense. So, I mean, if you talk about positionless basketball in the NBA, here's your poster child for what the next generation looks like. You know, a 6'9", 227-pound power forward who can probably guard one through four easily and be able to... his The only knock on him right now is the outside stroke but I'm going to tell you, I have not seen anything in that stroke that really concerned me. 
Like, when I saw LaMelo Ball shoot the ball for the first time, I was just like, ooh, this is bad. This is not good. And he turned out okay. Right? We've seen some other people come into the league and, and their shot just, ugh, it just looks awful, but it, it goes in. So, I'm not real concerned about him shooting it well enough. He's one of those kids that will get in the gym and he'll figure it out. You know, he'll figure out what he needs to do to be successful. You never have to worry about him not working. Okay? That's the other thing. Is that you never have to worry about that. Man, those are the guys that I'm looking at. So, you got Jalen Johnson. You got Sharif Cooper. And you got Scotty Barnes. So, Scotty Barnes is from Florida State. Check out an ACC game. I know Coach T will be happy to hear me say that. Obviously, Duke with Jalen Johnson. And then we go to the SEC with my man from Auburn, Sharif Cooper. So those are your player NBA draft player spotlight for this week. And B-Ball Tuesday is now complete. Yo, I want to thank everybody. Um, I want to thank the listeners out there. Your boy was so under the weather the last three or four days. I know this does didn't have the normal energy that it usually does as far as that's concerned. But I promise that we will get better and we will improve on the next show. But I will leave you with this. Be good to one another. Be good to yourself. And if you have it in your in your means to do, whether it's with money or with your time, please look out for your neighbor because we all have to stick together. And this QP Nation community does that on a real level. So I'm excited about that. So again, on the Instagram and Facebook, it's Question Point Pod Network. On Twitter, it's QPP Network. So that's how you get in touch with me. That's how you interact with the show. And you can also go to questionpointpodnetwork.com to get all your pods archived or what have you. You get blogs on that bad boy. You get poll questions on that bad boy. So look us up. Get yourself involved. And let's do this thing. All right. I'm about to bounce. But before I bounce... You know what I'm saying. If I can't bring energy, I know something that can. That's right. I'll hit you with the air horn. If I can't give you the energy, the air horn will give you the energy. Okay. So with that, I'm out. You guys have a blessed week. And I will talk to you on Football Friday, right? Because that's what we do. Two pods a week. Usually Monday. Usually Friday. This week, your boy was under the weather, so it's Tuesday and Friday. And with that, I am Ghost. <laughs>